0: The Leadout podcast is sponsored by freewheel.co.uk, where you can buy online while also supporting local independent bike shops.
1: Hello, and welcome to the August edition of The Leadout. I'm Alex Ballinger, and alongside me is uh, Simon Richardson. This is going to be our preview of the final Grand Tour of the year, the Vuelta a España, but before we look at the race, let's look at the headlines from the last month. The Tour de France 2019 was won by Team INEOS rider Egan Bernal, the first Colombian to win the Tour and the youngest rider since 1904. Mitterleton-Scot's Annemiek van Vleuten secured victory in the Giro Rosa, the longest race on the women's calendar, winning by a staggering 3.45 over a rival Anna van der Breggen. Marianne Voss emerged victorious in Po after a thrilling edition of La Course by the Tour de France. Remco Evnepol was crowned Time Trial Champion at the European Road Championships in Alkmaar in the Netherlands. The 19-year-old is riding his first season at World Tour level and had already won the Klassica San Sebastian the week before. All of the racing this month was of course overshadowed by the tragic death of Björg Lambrecht. The 22-year-old Lotto Sedal rider suffered a fatal crash on Stage 3 of the Tour of Poland and died in hospital. So before we look in depth at the Volta course and all of the contenders, uh, Simon what do you think we should be looking out for just before the race?
0: Well, I think it's time for the uh, rerun of, uh, of Movistar versus Team Jumbo-Visma. Um, two strong teams at the Tour de France. Movistar strong at the Giro as well. They're strong at every Grand Tour. But they, um, although the teams are still provisional at the moment, they're both looking like they're turning up with stacked teams. Um, Ineos, not so much. They, they've got a more, they've got a younger team to come, so they, they won't be as dominant as ever at the tour. But I think that, that's really exciting. You've also got the emergence of some young Grand Tour riders, young climbers, um, who are probably going to be the next generation of, of, of Grand Tour winners. So I think they're the two things I'm looking forward to.
1: Some exciting uh, contenders for the Brits as well, isn't there? We've got Theo Hart who'll be riding uh, second Grand Tour of the year after crashing out of the Giro, and uh, Hugh Carthy as well, who should be strong. Having, he had a really strong Giro as well, didn't he?
0: Yeah, Hugh Carthy had a great Giro, one of, the, you know, one of the stars of the race, really. And Hart and maybe James Knox as well for de Kearney, he's on their long list. He had to pull out of the Giro after crash, uh, injuring his leg as well. was feeling good apart from the injury he sustained. So really exciting to see those two young Brits hopefully completing their first Grand Tour, not their debut, but... Uh, maybe looking to make it to the end in Madrid. So those are the things that we're looking forward to at the Vuelta, here are some key stats from the
1: race. The race covers the usual 21 stages, over 3,272 kilometers. The Grand Depart this year is in Salinas de Torrevieja in the Costa Blanca, opening with a team time trial at 13.4 kilometers long, so that could be decisive, quite a short team time trial there. There's an individual time trial on stage 10, 36.2 kilometres. There'll be eight uphill finishes in this year's race, five of which are new to the race, so the Royalty continues its reputation of trying to mix things up. The race includes stages in Valencia, Barcelona, the Basque Country, and also includes detours into Andorra and France before finishing with the processional sprint stage in Madrid. Right, so let's get stuck in looking at the stages. So Simon, stage one, team time trial. It's, uh, it seems to be growing in popularity, the team
0: time trial in recent years in Grand Tours, doesn't it? Well, especially for the Vuelta, this is the eighth time they've started the race for the team time trial in the last nine years. Um, so, quite a common format for them. And I guess all eyes will be, once again, on Jumbo Visma, who won the early team time trial in the Tour de France um, in very, very impressive form. I think they'll look to put one of their GC riders in a, in a good position. It's pan flat, so it should be very fast. No elevation whatsoever. So, it's time to get the big, strong riders out and... Um, get that line strung out and see what you can do. This could also be a disaster very early on for
1: some teams. As you can see in the tour this year, the team time trials can really split the field early on, can't they? And I'm sure there'll be some teams that will be pretty nervous about losing their GC hopes, even over a 13-kilometer course, before they've even started, really.
0: Yeah, it does depend how technical the route is. Not always easy to know with um, with a Volta. You, you sometimes find things out when you actually arrive. Same for the teams; not, they not they find things that they're not always expecting. But yeah, the, the teams will have to be on their game not to lose time on that first day because that's that's you know if you start stage two already 30 seconds down, that's a that's a big handicap. So they're moving on into the
1: first week. We have the first summit finish on uh, stage five. It's going up to almost 2,000 meters at the Observatorio Astrofisico de Havalhambra. Um, it looks like a tough day early in the first week.
0: Yeah, I mean, that first week is really quite lumpy. There's, that's the first summit finish, but the other days there's, there's nothing pound flat for the sprinters. Well, there may be a sprinter stage, but they still gotta get over some hills to get to that finish line. But yeah, stage five is the first big climb and you'd expect a big, big sort out there.
1: Riders are going to have to be sort of on their toes in the early part of this stage as well, aren't they? Because it is a summit finish, but then also it it doesn't start easily. The climbing goes up pretty much straight away, and then we've got two categorised climbs on the way with a lot of uncategorised punchy climbs as well. So it's going to be really tough to control the race to that final climb as well, isn't it?
0: Definitely, yeah. This is a big day. Certainly the first one, they'll all be worried about the GC contenders. It climbs up to a plateau, and then it dips and climbs, dips and climbs all the way to that last climb. So um, a tough day, and the GC riders will have to sort of stay safe stay out of the wind and um, hold their energy back for that climb so this is yeah this is a stage not to miss so we then have two more uphill finishes uh, on stages seven and eight
1: and then on to stage nine where we have the first beyond categorization climb uh, start in andorra as well so the return to the andorran mountains it it looks like it's going to be
0: horrible yeah, this is, the, this is a big day, um, again, climbing from the start, big climb in the middle and then a, a summit finish at the end and, and they are definitely in the mountains. So, end of the first week, Sunday, September 1st, another stage not to miss and um, I think this is where you'll see, well, you'll definitely see Movistar, Jumbo Visma, maybe Ineos set out to ride for their GC rider will... You might have had a sort of second string rider get into the leaders jersey earlier in the week. This is where the the, the riders who are going for the GC will, will come to the fore. They have to.
1: That beyond categorisation climb is a little bit too far from the finish potentially for the for the winning move to come from there as well. Do you think? But it will always define the day of racing, won't it? When riders have got a massive climb like that in the middle of the day, they will be looking to it and really sort of nervous and trying trying to just stay out of trouble up until that point, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think it depends on any whether or not any teams want to take it on early and, and really disrupt it. Uh, like Movistar did at the Tour this year, didn't really work out for them, but just that disruptive nature, it, it put everyone under pressure because you, you saw a lot of times during the Tour that by the time they got to the last climb, apart from perhaps Ineos with, with Thomas and Bernal, no one had any help. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's when the racing gets interesting. So if, if a team takes it on early and sheds all the climbing domestiques from the GC favourites, that's when you have a really interesting final climb.
1: What I really like about this final climb as well is that it isn't sort of a pure gradient all the way up to the top. It seems to come in steps, a second category, two second category steps and then a first category step. And that will surely sort of draw out more attacks as well, won't it? Because when the climb doesn't look as difficult on paper, that can really sort of encourage people to be a little bit more brave not worry about getting dropped quite so much because they think well i can attack here then we've got a plateau see what happens then then maybe go again if you've got the legs
0: depending on the rider i think some riders may think there's no point in attacking before that plateau because if there's a group behind me they'll, they'll work together and and just pull me back because they can go fast from that plateau but for then another rider who's perhaps not one of the leaders might think well actually they might just let me go there waiting for the last steep ramp and actually i can i'm not the best climber but i can push on, on that plateau hold a gap and uh, keep going on the last bit so i think it depends on the rider who's who's there on that last climb but it's certainly interesting it's um it's not a it doesn't suit a pure climber so it might just draw a few more riders into the race that we're not expecting to see which which would be fun First
1: time that the race goes above 2,000 metres as well, which is always a decisive point in the race, isn't it? It always really sort of... You start to separate out the riders who physiologically can deal with altitude and those who who tend to struggle. And obviously now we're seeing more and more riders come from high-altitude areas like,
0: you know, like Colombia, like we saw with Bernal at the Tour. Yeah, um, it was a deciding factor at the Tour, wasn't it, at the time at altitude. So, you know, it can start to bite from as early as 1,500 metres for some people. You know, it changes all the time. But certainly above 1,800 metres and and you can start to feel the effects of uh, slightly less oxygen but yeah I mean the the South American riders have come to the fore with Carapaz and Bernal winning the first two Grand Tours of the year so um, I'm sure they'll be all guns blazing Uh, especially Nairo Quintana who's um, it's been a while since he's won a Grand Tour he'll be looking to to set that right I think this is this will be his first opportunity as we saw the tour he takes a while to come into his climbing legs Um, so I wouldn't expect to see him on that first climb on the Wednesday but by the time we get here on the Sunday I think Quintana will be nicely warmed up and maybe looking to make a move.
1: And stage nine is only 94 kilometres long as well, so this really could cause the race to explode.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll go early. The, the brake will go on that first climb, and the, um, yeah, it'll have to be controlled. And the GC riders, there'll be someone who will probably take the opportunity to or take the chance to, to make up some time because they know there's, there's not too much fatigue going to be built up today. You can just go for it, and, and if it goes wrong, you won't lose too much time.
1: And then moving on to stage 10, we have the individual time trial, which comes after the first rest day. Uh, this is finishing in Po, which is the second time we've been to Po this year, second time trial in Po this year as well. Um, so a little bit different in the Vuelta because we are looking at um, more of a flat course than we had in the Tour. The Tour was really lumpy, different kind of riders th- thrived there, didn't they? So
0: we w- really should see the, the sort of powerful riders on the flat. It's a pure power time trial very interesting that it comes after the first rest day some riders often depending on what they do on their rest day they can struggle to transition into an effort like that their legs just aren't ready for it so getting your rest day right and getting your preparation right is key for the gc riders it can cause absolute
1: havoc can not it with riders not knowing how they're going to come out of the rest day anyway so even a sort of mountain stage or it can be quite tough can not it coming out of the rest day so a time trial which a lot of riders will be dreading anyway won't they that could really Cause some sort of unexpected results couldn't it? and we could see some people yeah losing And time.
0: after quite a lot of climbing building up to that rest day as well they've got their climbing legs in riding smaller gears on the tops and now they've suddenly got to get in a, on a TT bike and, and start pushing bigger gears so that transition is um, you yeah, know it's, it's crucial we've got to get that right then we have the
1: final day for the general classification battle stage 20 from Arenas to San Pedro to Plataforma de Gredos 189 kilometers not what you'd expect from a final mountain stage.
0: No, not really. I mean, it climbs from the start and then it's lumpy all the way, big mountain just before the end, and then it's a few little lumps and bumps to the end. So the last big climb of the Volta looks just to be a launch pad rather than the, well, it is rather than the finish line. If someone does launch on there, they, they've got a, it's going to be a great chase all the way to the finish because it's up and down. Um, So it's it's, it's a nicely designed stage that it looks really good So depending on um, whether or not the the leader at that stage is looking weakened Or has a team that's looked weakened um, We could have a final stage ambush Perfect for a team like Movistar to launch something against the rival That sort of terrain where they really excel
1: And in stage 21 we have the processional flat stage in Madrid Uh, It's a good opportunity to talk about the sprinters that are going to be at this race Um, It's quite a strong field actually, isn't it? There's a a few big names there
0: Sam Bennett, hopefully, for Bora, one of the most prolific sprinters this mm-hmm. year, so hopefully gets his chance to get a, a few more grand stage wins under his belt. Dimension data of Neymar Mark Cavendish, so we shall see. It'll be very interesting to see if he does ride, which we're expecting him to, I think, mm-hmm. um, how he gets on after being dropped from the Tour de France. And Denko returning, and then hopefully Gaviria as well, who's been really quiet all year.
1: Yeah, knee injury in the Giro that he suffered, sort of took a stage of the Giro, didn't he? And then it was, it just seemed to be sort of a minor knee injury that was causing him some complaints and causing him some hassle. And it didn't seem like it'd be a problem because he mm. sort of pulled out as a Giro with the intention of riding the tour, didn't he? But then obviously things were worse than originally expected and then he had to skip the tour as well, which he would be pretty disappointed about, would not he, seeing as he's been on really strong form for the last few seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years he was, you know, the, looking like he's going to emerge to be the sprinter to beat and, and hasn't been able to show that this year, so it'd be good to see him back to his sort of 2018 levels, and I think if he is, if he can get back to that, I think he'll be the, the strongest sprinter in the race. And he's, he's got the physique where he can get over those lumps and bumps. They can all get over them, but he can probably get over them in slightly better shape and therefore have a bit more when it comes to the final sprint. First Walter for him as well, so it
1: could be the chance to complete the Grand Tour set because he's already got Tour and uh, Giro wins, so he'll, yeah. be, he'll be extra motivated, I think, compared to the other guys. Jacobson as well for De quick quickstep is expected to be there. Is he one of the young, sort of the next wave of sprinters, isn't he, that Quickstep are trying to bring up? Him and Alvaro Hodge are their two sort of younger guys that so they're really trying to get to the tier of sort of, you know, Viviani and Gaviria who have been through that Quickstep system and um, he's had some good results this year as well, and could be uh, could be a factor.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean if, when De quick quickstep are at a race, they are almost guaranteed to win stages it's it's you know it's in their DNA, isn't it? Just their tactics, the, the, the experience in the team car behind them, the the sort of the desire the team have that they can't turn up to race and not contest because they know their teammates have been doing it all year so yeah it'd be a nice chance to see those younger sprinters and, and like the younger gc riders who we're looking at in some of those team lineups it'd be nice to see some of the younger sprinters coming through as well i think what's going to be decisive in the Vuelta route for the sprinters as well is that there's not
1: really any sprint opportunities in the first week and they don't come until the sort of second half of the race. So fitness is going to be such a, a key part for the sprinters here, isn't it? It's going to be the guy that can survive the first week of a really tough grand tour that is then able to you know, sprint as, at his best then it takes the wins.
0: Yeah, I think that's if anything that's what will stop the younger sprinters from showing through because the, the, they won't be able to deal with the fatigue as well as the more experienced riders. So um, they'll have probably less in the tank when it comes to week two and into week three if, if they're still there
1: So then if we move on to the general classification battle I think this is it really seems like this is going to be a race that's defined by the absences because there are some notable riders that are missing from this that probably would be the favourites if they were riding as planned, you know? so Chris Froome still out injured um, Geraint Thomas riding the Deutschland Tour instead which is potentially the biggest surprise I suppose it would have been a good opportunity for him to try luck like, in a different Grand Tour um, yeah, it really seems like these are going to be the riders that we're talking about even though they're not there
0: yeah, the, the tour really shapes the, who rides the Volta. we watched the tour this year and you usually see GC riders crashing out, pulling out, whatever, from quite early on, but there was, um, that actually didn't happen this year, we only really had Jakob Fugelsang pull out through injury after crashing, um, everyone else pretty much made it all the way through to Paris, so often the joke is, someone crashes out in the first week of the tour, they are instantly made the favourite for that year's Volta, and that just didn't happen, so... With, with a really good uh, Tour de France field, making it all the way to Paris, those riders won't feel like they need to ride a Grand Tour. So the riders we've got left, uh, Kruisvik is backing up by the looks of it for Jumbo Visma. And then he's potentially got teammate Roglic coming back after a disappointing Giro. And then you have the, uh, of course, the, the strong Spanish riders who always want to ride and perform at their home race. You've got Valverde and the South American riders who, who do often favour the, the Volta.
1: I think one of the most exciting riders that is starting has got to be Richard Carapaz. So unexpected winner of the Giro, eventually a bit of a surprise to everyone, I'd imagine. But this could be a really good opportunity to see if he can, if he can back it up and see if, you know, we really do have a next uh, Grand Tour star in the wings.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, not that his Giro room's a fluke, but we want to see, you know, like you say, how he backs that up. And we will be interested to see how Star support him, because we are expecting him to, to leave at the end of the year. So I doubt he'll be there as a leader, he'll be there on team duties. So whether or not he's fully committed to that is, is something else. But yeah, we definitely want to see more of him, because he came to prominence late in the Giro, and all of a sudden he'd won it, and we hadn't really... Had a chance to really look at him or think about him as, as a GC rider until or contender until late in the race. So he will go into the Volta with that focus very much on him. So to see how he handles that will be will be really interesting. We have another former winner in the
1: race as well, in the shape of Fabio Aru, who has had a bit of a nightmare the last few years, isn't it? He? He's really struggled for form and then had surgery for a condition in his leg, I think, which he thinks seems to have solved the problem to an extent. And he was better in the Tour this year, wasn't it? We did see him sort of coming back to to something like his best I mean obviously not his best but
0: he showed some glimpses but it's, it's been a while now since he's been a genuine contender for for, for, a, for a Grand Tour so maybe we'll see him continue to sort of rise up and maybe push for a top 10 I think that could be within him um, in Spain but I don't think he'll be threatening Movistar or, or Jumbo Visma just yet
1: and then what about uh, Rigoberto Aran as well, who's sort of one of those riders that is always there or thereabouts in any GC race, you know, he's always in the top 10. He's had sort of really strong results in the past, I think he's had podiums, second places in Grand Tours, but he's never really looked that close in recent years to getting, to getting the win. Do you think this could be the one?
0: Yeah, I think he's a good outside bet, actually. I mean, we saw him had a really good Tour de France last year, um, and then we were expecting more of him this year, and it didn't, while well, it wasn't a disaster, it wasn't, it wasn't what we were expecting. So I think he could be the one to throw a bit of a surprise for EF. Um, not a particularly strong team around him, although Van and potentially and Hugh Carthy, if he can do what he did at the Giro, he's a fantastic teammate. But I think uh, Iran is a really good outside bet this year. I think.
1: I think what's also quite exciting from Quick Step, they obviously don't come into these races with any sort of general classification, um, ambitions, really nothing. It's not what they're targeting, is it? But uh, on their provisional list, we have James Knox, who is expected to return for a second Grand Tour, like you said earlier, crashed out of De Giro. Um, he'll pretty much, looking at the team, if, that is, if the provisional team is the team that they field, he'll be pretty much given free reign, won't he, to, to ride for the GC?
0: It'd be nice to think so. I mean, what, what's interesting with those climbs early on in the race, if he can have a good first week... And show himself up there, then he might get their support, and you know, for the remainder of the race, or at least until he starts to fade away. So that'll be that'll be really interesting, because what a team to have behind you. Although whether or not they want to go for stage wins rather than back someone up, it, it remains to be seen.
1: And then looking at Mitchelton Scott as well, they have the reigning champion in their in their roster but potentially not in their squad from what we understand. They haven't officially announced the team as we speak, but the understanding is that neither reigning champion Simon
0: nor Adam Yates are expected to be there. Despite being reigning champion, I'd be amazed if Simon Yates was there and and therefore riding three grand tours in a year. I I just can't believe he'd do that. I think he's... It's not necessarily for someone of his age. We should talk about Team Ineos as well. This is surprising for them.
1: Well, I say surprising for them. You know, normally they filled such formidable Grand Tour teams, but in the last two welters they really haven't had that. Mikhail Kwiatkowski last year was their leader. Sort of, They basically run out of their Grand Tour favourites, haven't they, for the year? Um, same again this year, really. It doesn't look like they've got any of their really, really strong three-week races that are going to be there.
0: Yeah, I think they've got a strong team this year. They've got Castro Viejo, Diego Rosa, Elisande, Uh, Dela Cruz, listed on their provisional list So there's some strong riders there But there's there's no standout rider Who you you think will be on the podium And after first second at the Tour de France Maybe that's not too much of a surprise But having gone from uh, challenging for all Grand Tours They now seem to just be stepping back Right then, let's do the awful bit Where we go on the record
1: (laughs) We say who we think is going to win the race I, I don't like this bit, <laughs> because it no, always ends up often coming from. to bite you. Um, so if we twist your arm, Simon, who do you think is going to win the vote?
0: Um, well, if our start list is the provisional start list is correct, I'd probably go with Jumbo Visma. I think they got they did so well at the Tour and got so close, I think they'll be gunning for a Grand Tour win. Um, so if they're riding, I'd go with either Kruijsvik or Roglic. I think Roglic will want to make amends for... Um, for the Giro you know, He started so strong In such great form And then and then just faded away And, and I think we, Everyone probably expected A bit more from him And I, I think he'll really Want to make amends for that I'll go Roglic So I'm going to go with uh,
1: I'm going to go with Astana Miguel Angel Lopez yeah. They've They've had a sort of Mixed year this year Haven't they They've looked at A few points like They were one of the top three strongest teams in all stage races, pretty much, I mean they? sang won the, the Dauphiné and then looked really good in the Tour. Didn't quite live up to the expectation that did he Didn't wasn't quite the sort of overall favourite that we were expecting, but was still in the top 10 when he crashed out. Um, but I think Lopez, after his performance in the Giro, he would have been disappointed by that, I think. And he had his share of controversy as well, the video emerging of him attacking a fan. And I think he's going to be really keen to... Um, I think he's really keen to redeem himself from the year that he's had so far. And I think Astana, the same. Astana will be trying to do the same. They always take a strong team to Grand Tours. And I think with the Izagiri brothers there as well, um, and Luis Leon Sanchez as support riders, I think that Lopez is probably going to contend for the podium, and I think he's my pick for the win. So those are our predictions. Uh, let us know who you think is going to win the Vuelta in the comments below. Right, that wraps up our Vuelta preview. So uh, don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
0: And you can also get the magazine every Thursday it's out in the UK in all good news agents and supermarkets the August 22nd issue is our Volta preview you can also get the magazine digitally on any device
1: and we will also be covering the race uh, on cyclingweekly.com as well so more information there thank you very much for watching we really hope you enjoyed the Volta, and we'll be back with another episode of the lead out in September
0: for the Tour of Britain <laughs>